special guest speaker from our team, the ministry. We have every week, we have a different ones. We started last week talking about the true story of Christmas, and Pastor Ronnie is coming. He shared the second message today. Come, my friend, the coach, <laughs> champion. Actually, their team was became champion, state champion. How you say the school? Kapaus, the, the name of the school? Grand Kapowski, they became a, a state champion last week, amen, and he is one of the coaches, hallelujah, we are champion, hallelujah, bless you bro. Thank you sir, um, who loves Pastor Joe Soleil? <laughs> he is, uh, he's such a blessing to, to all of us, and uh, you know, when I met him a few years ago, um, you know, many of you know my testimony. I was going through a lot of living in trauma, living in a lot of, uh, you know, personal failures and, and uh, you know, the ups and downs of life, right? Amen? Everyone here is human, right? And, uh, but he's just been such a blessing to, to my family. And so I, just, I honor you, Pastor Joseph I, I honor you. I love you. I declare blessings on your ministry, your life, your future. Uh, we just we just appreciate you so much. I also want to honor Justine for her accomplishment um, graduating from college. Yeah. <clears throat> and the, the thing about the thing about education is everybody has their own view of it. Now, um, some people, you know, they say I don't I don't need a piece of paper to prove. You know, what I know, I get that. But there are some jobs that require that piece of paper, and it's hard work. And uh, so I just declare blessings on her career, on her ministry, on her marriage, uh, on her family, in Jesus' name. Baby boy, yes, in Jesus' name. <laughs> As, uh, who has a birthday today? Who has an anniversary? What's your anniversary? <laughs> hey, I don't know. I'm just giving a gift today. This is a book. Come on and get it. You, you won, okay? Yeah, there you go. Bless you. <laughs> All right. That's uh, Weaponized by Heaven. It's uh, one of the books I wrote this year, and it's John Guinan Approved. He read it. He loves it. Uh, it's about the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, blessings on you. Blessings. Um, as Pastor Josele shared, we're in a series about the entire story of Christmas. Now, there's a lot of characters involved with, with the whole story of Christmas. We have uh, Zachariah. Who's heard of him, right? Elizabeth. Uh, we go on and it, we see glimpses of Simeon who ministered in the temple and he was fortunate enough to hold the baby Jesus. Uh, just amazing. And so there's so, and then you got the shepherds and then you got the magi who, who show up two years later after Jesus was born and actually visited him in his home. And, and so Pastor Josele, we, we were having coffee and, and we were talking about this this, uh, this whole story of Jesus, you know, all of it, like the whole story of Christmas, 
Amen? So, you know, make yourself comfortable. This might take a while. <laughs> because the part I'm going to address today is concerning Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we'll be in the uh, book of Luke, chapter 1. I might end up doing a lot of reading today. Is that okay? Let's try that again. Might do a little bit of reading today. Is that all right? Yeah. Because I don't want to leave anything out. It's, there's so many lessons in Luke chapter 1. And so there's really an overarching theme to, uh, to this particular account in Scripture. And it has to do with the power of agreement. The power of agreement. It says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, he said to them, because of your little faith, now stay in Luke, but I'm going to unpack some scriptures leading up to what we're going to talk about in Luke. Matthew 17, 20, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. Everybody say it with me. You will say to this mountain. Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, it says this. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there will be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Everybody say with me, my word. Isn't that fascinating? He said by my word. The Lord is, is truly interested in co-laboring with us. Our words carry power. More power than, than I ever realized years ago. Language isn't really just for communication. Language is for creation. Through language, we actually create atmospheres. How many of you have walked into a, a room, a situation where everyone there was, was in fear and everyone there was in, uh, in a battle, going through something, but in walks one person with words of faith. And all of a sudden, through those words, the faith levels begin to increase. That's really what one of the many reasons we meet together is so that we can unpack words of faith over one another. So we can declare what God's word says. Because every one of us today came in with some type of baggage. This year has been something else, hasn't it? Challenge after challenge after challenge. But we come together and we declare over one another, everything God said about you is going to come true. No matter what the enemies brought against you, God is going to bring it to fruition. And so we declare it, we decree it, 
we continue to build this atmosphere of faith in and around our lives. God spoke the worlds into being. And, and we know that in the book of Genesis. He spoke the worlds into being. And so that was the first instance of the power of words in the spirit realm. And you may say, well, that, that was God. You know, we, we're, not, we're not built like that. I don't know. Adam, who was the first man, God actually gave him permission to do what? Name the animals. He didn't just name them. When he gave them the name, he actually spoke their identity, purpose, and destiny into being. It's mind-blowing. I can't wait to get to heaven and find out what kind of genetic stuff was going on in that. But he actually spoke their identity into being. The power of words. Speech is a huge part of God's economy. We have the capacity to decree, declare, prophesy, and pray things into existence in this world. Words create realities. When we're tapped into what God said, which is logos, this is what God said, right? But it's also what he's saying. In rhema, a freshly spoken word, a freshly released word, is actually what God is saying in the present. They really go hand in hand. When we're tapped into what he's currently saying, rhema, we're equipped to steer, redirect, and maneuver whoever we are leading. Jesus modeled this and also made mention of his methods several times in the Gospels. Jesus said this often. He only said what he heard the Father saying. Present tense. He carried fresh rhema everywhere he went. He was always prepared to speak into someone's identity, purpose, and destiny. He often quoted the scroll of Isaiah, which represents the Logos, what God had said. But Jesus was careful not to unpack too much. He actually turned to his followers one day, and he said, there, there are many things I'd, I'd like to say to you, but you're not able to bear it quite yet. Jesus was very gentle and peaceable. He just didn't go around messing people's day up by declaring too much truth. Sometimes we can't handle truth. Who would agree? So it's our job as we move in the prophetic to really season what the Lord has shared with us for people. Because a piece of rhema spoken out of season comes, sometimes can do damage. We want to be careful with this weapon of warfare, the weapon of language and words. Words create spheres of influence. Now, there is a multi-billion dollar industry called 
public speaking, right? Uh, there, are, there are people that I know, their, their going rate is about $25,000 an hour, okay? So I can't afford them. But there are corporations who actually pay to have people come in and do what? Speak. Isn't that fascinating? So even an unbeliever, even an unbeliever with an un, not, not a real biblical kingdom message can come in with words of positivity, with words of high production, and they can absolutely bring value everywhere they go. That is another glimpse of how powerful words are. In John 6, Jesus says this, or it says this in John 6. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what would you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and their life. Jesus was teaching a very basic principle in relation to communication. He said, my words I speak to you are spirit. So, we have Jesus, who was God in, in flesh, whose words became spirit. Whatever he released into the atmosphere, faith levels began to rise. Things began to happen because of the power of his speech and the power of his agreement with what God was saying. The realist, uh, the most visual sense we get of the power of words is really found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. It says, he held seven stars in his right hand and, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. You see, words are weapons in the spirit realm. Words are weapons. And it goes on to say in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 and 20, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit of Thereof, wow, the very fruit that comes forth out of your life comes from the words you speak. And James would go on and quote this very, this very proverb. It says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He would go on to say in verse 28, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is comforting because each and every one of us 
here today are built with the capacity to hear the Father's voice. That voice may become drowned out by the cares of life. That, that voice may become confused because of maybe bad theology. It, but that, that capacity to hear his voice is there because you heard his voice when he called you out of sin. You heard his voice when he called you to, to be here today. You, 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 you know that voice. You just have to reassure yourself and, and, and tell yourself, self, you know the Father's voice. Just listen. Just listen. In Luke 137, and this will really be the text for what we want to talk about today, is it says this, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. So we have Zechariah, which we're, which we're going to talk about right now. Zechariah, who was from a priestly lineage. So we know that he had been called to serve in the temple. But this particular time was different. Commentators say at this point in time that there were at least 20,000 priests who were on the, the rolls. 20,000. So out of the 20,000, Zechariah was chosen. And what he had to do was even more phenomenal because he ended up drawing, uh, they cast lots, which, which in, in our days would be like rolling dice. Okay, but it was, it was legal, okay? It was something they, they did to, to, uh, to, to pick people and do different things. So they cast lots, and Zechariah, he ended up being called to work in the temple on this particular day. But even more so, he would become the incense priest. He would be the individual who would actually go into the Holy of Holies by himself and offer incense to the Lord and pray on behalf of the nation of Israel. So out of 20,000 priests, there he was. And this was a, it was an opportunity of a lifetime for him. I mean, he was excited. And so I'm going to read a little bit concerning Zechariah. When Herod was king of Judea, and I'm starting in verse 5 in Luke chapter 1. We're finally where we want to get to. Say, thank you, Ron. Move on with it. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. And you can trace, you can trace uh, uh, their lineage uh, in, in the books of Chronicles. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. I just want to stop for a moment and declare twins in Jennifer's womb in Jesus' name, okay? Since we're on this topic of declaring, decreeing, and prophesying, we're going to repeat what the Lord has already said. Concerning that situation. We believe it. 
One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you're to name him John. You'll have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he'll turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He'll be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He'll prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. He was quoting Malachi, and it's actually the last verse in the Old Testament in Malachi, chapter 4, where he says this, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am old now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. And now since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Man. So what we see is the angel Gabriel, who is declaring to Zechariah, this is what's going to happen. And later on in this same chapter, we see Mary, who, who has a similar message, but it's concerning Jesus. But what you see is the different responses from both of them. Zechariah had a response that had to do with his current circumstance. How many of us have done that when we got a prophetic word and you're thinking, there's no way? Right? My kids? No, never. Right? Me? Nope. I don't see it. So that was the common response. The response to take a look at your current circumstance and not buy into what the Lord is saying about you. I believe we're in a season where all of us, me included, we need to go back and take a look at what God said already. Sometimes we're looking for a new prophetic word. We're looking for something new, something fresh. And the Lord is saying, all you got to do is dig up what I've already said and come into agreement with it and pray over it and say, Father, this is what you said about me. Let it be in Jesus' name. So Zechariah had the same response Similar response to Mary. But, but the angel did this. He, he made a command decision. 
And he said, if I let this guy continue to talk, he'll cancel out, he'll cancel this plan out. Did you know you have the power to cancel out something that's been declared over your life? Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to warn you. And I've told people in this church all the time, if you want to practice your prophetic ministry, practice on me. I'll receive it. Because I want us not to be afraid to declare it, and I want us not to be afraid to receive it. Because what God has for us, he thinks different. It's not always going to line up with what we think. It's definitely not going to line up with what we have planned nine times out of ten. Mm. Our plans versus his plans. Man, what a conflict, right? So he said, you're not going to speak. Now, it may have seemed like a punishment, but in the spirit realm, it was the safest thing to do. It was the safest thing to do because the amount of unbelief that he was carrying, the angel said, I'm not going to even let you, I'm not going to give you the opportunity to speak against this one. His name will be John. He will go before the Lord. He will prepare the way. And whether you understand it or not, all I need you to do is say nothing. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. And this is verse 21. Now, the reason why they, the people started to freak out a little bit, because once, once he would come out of the Holy of Holies, having done his duty, he would go out to the porch of the temple, and he would read portions of Deuteronomy. And he was supposed to actually pray and declare and decree the blessing over the people of Israel. But he was in there a long time. So you know how crowds of people are, right? They're out there, well, I wonder what's going on. Well, let's just wait a little while longer. So he finally comes out, and guess what? He comes out, stands in the place where he's supposed to pray this blessing over the people, but what's he do? He can't speak. Odd situation. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision. Exactly. Something must have happened cuz he can't speak. And he was in there way too long. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. 
The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Thank you, Jesus. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mm. So, similar situation, right? Angel shows up is unpacking what's about to happen. And Mary's response was a little bit different. I honestly believe she wanted an explanation. Well, how is this going to happen because I'm a virgin? It was different. It was a different response. It obviously wasn't a response full of unbelief because he did not cause Mary to, uh, he did not take away her ability to speak. And what Mary was actually saying is, Give me a little bit more clarity on that. Oh, okay, that sounds good. I receive it. I receive it. May everything that you're saying, as phenomenal as it sounds, as sci-fi as it sounds, against all medicine, human biology, whatever, I receive it. That's some crazy faith, right? That's who she was. That's why she's blessed. That's why she's beloved. That's why we love her so much. This, that she modeled for us, that we can receive what the Lord has for us. What I love about this particular verse of Scripture is there are like a million different translations of it. Because some translations, they go directly from the Greek. And when you take the translation of verse 37 directly from the Greek, it actually reads like this. No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you without its own power to fulfill itself. No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you without its own power to fulfill itself. All we have to do is believe. There are so many prophetic words that have been generated throughout this congregation. I encourage you in this season, no matter what's going on, go back and revisit those words. Go back and reread them. Listen to them again. Because what God has already said about you is still true. Amen? The future that he has prepared for you 
is still charted out. All we have to do is believe. Jesus unpacked many of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit in John 16. Jesus had an in-depth teaching on the Holy Spirit, the function of the Holy Spirit, the character of the Holy Spirit, and what he would send the Holy Spirit to actually accomplish. It's found in John 16. But it spoke about the ability to announce things to come. This is seemingly, for many, the only role or definition of prophecy. It isn't always about predicting the future in accordance with what the Father's saying. It's often about speaking into existence things in accordance with his will, which may seem like a prediction. Some prophesy only scripture. The Holy Spirit can highlight a portion of Logos to release over a situation in real time. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit lives outside of time, and through co-laboring with him, we have access to future events because he announces things to come. This is what it says in John 16, verse 13. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, what's interesting about that word show is it actually means announce. It's the word aneglio. It means to announce. So the Holy Spirit will actually enable us to take a portion of information from our future, from the stockpiles in heaven concerning us, and announce it to you. Powerful. Once again, the power of words. The power of words to create, the power of words to steer and we see examples of it all through the Old Testament, how the prophets would steer the entire nation off a of prophetic release. I pray, Father, that you continue to pour out your anointing for prophecy in this church so that we'll all be comfortable, fully comfortable announcing things to come, ministering to people, speaking and redirecting people's identity, purpose, and destiny through what you're saying about them. In closing, Ephesians chapter 4, I want to leave you with these verses of Scripture because throughout the years, uh, I don't know, may, maybe you're like me, but I wasn't born an angel, right? I wasn't. And, yeah, I wasn't born an angel, and uh, I haven't always had uh kingdom speech, okay? There, there have been times I've, I've spoken against things that were for me. There's times I didn't come into agreement with, uh, with things that were obviously for me. It's just, uh, come on, guys, I, I'm a mess. But God's working on me, and I'm in process. I've learned not to take myself so serious. I've learned to 
understand that I'm his child. And in relation to eternity, I'm like a minute old. Amen? There's hope for us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That word corrupting in the Greek, it, it actually means rotten and worthless. There's times when we can release something that's it, it, it's worthless. It's not going to make the situation any better. Uh, it's going to speak against our identity. Sometimes it's best just to stop for a moment and think about it before we speak it. Mm, right in time for the holidays, right? Who has all the in-laws coming over? Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. In other words, when the meditation of your heart is, is acceptable, the words of your mouth will be just fine. In your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that word acceptable, it, it means delightful and favorable. Favorable for the situation. Favorable for your life. Favorable for the person that you're ministering to. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, it says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. But there's a deeper, there's a deeper translation uh, directly from the Greek for, for this verse. It, it actually means this. For by your words you will render or cause to become. For by your words you will be predestined. So by your own words, you will become the fruit of your words. You'll become the person that you most believe God said about you. You'll become that individual who you've declared the most often. You know, a church usually adopts the culture of the most often decreed thing from the pulpit. It has to do with our words. We must get better. We must be in agreement with what the Lord is saying. There are words that I've received that I don't know how it's going to come into being. I just don't. But I've learned how to stop and just say I receive it. Whatever the Lord has for me, I believe it. When Zechariah, in Zechariah's defense, his response to this, to this angel, it, it, was out of, it was out of disappointment. Because they were, they were very, very, very old. And they had been praying for a child for many, 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 many years. And so when the angel declared this to him, he didn't want to set himself up for disappointment. He, he, he didn't want to believe again. It, it, it's almost as if they had given up on that. I believe there are dreams here today that you're on the verge of giving up on, but I declare you won't. 
you won't give up on them. God's on the way. He's, he's moving things in, in your benefit. The bigger the dream, the bigger the process. The bigger the dream, the longer the process. So I just encourage you to continue to believe. It's for you. It's for you. In Jesus' name. Mm. Father, we're so grateful for your, your love. We're so grateful for your word. Father, anyone here today that has just given up on, on, on some things, that maybe, maybe they just don't see how it's going to happen. Maybe they've received a word many years ago, and, and they're just not seeing anything come to fruition. Father, I just pray that you fill their heart with faith right now that you'll fill their heart with belief right now. Father, just remind them that the bigger the dream, the longer the process, that you're working on it, that you're working on things for their benefit. There's people here today, possibly you've been, it's been prophesied that you would be in a certain type of career, you'd have a certain type of success, or that you would find your spouse, or whatever it is, just fill in the blank. God knows about it. He's working on it. He's working in your favor. Father, help us to watch our speech, to understand the power of our words. And train us, Lord, train us to use this weapon of our warfare, to speak those things into existence that you've already said about us. We'll give you all the glory, Lord, as you continue to work with us, as we're all in process. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I don't know, I feel like maybe Jim and Cindy come up here for ministry time. I, have a, I just feel like some of you need to be reassured of what God's already said about you. To be reassured. Maybe some of you hadn't got a, a, a prophetic word before, but God has it for you. God has it for you. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the spirit of prophecy is here. Amen. So uh, I'll be available. Pastor Joseph will be available. Jim and Cindy and any of the pastor team as well. Uh, Pastor Vivian, uh, Pastor Bill, Pastor Lorenzo, any of the ministry team. If you guys would just come on up and, uh, and, and be prepared for that. Are you guys blessed? Hallelujah. Let's stand in God's presence.